Welcome back to Auntie Please, where we are everything we want to be, nothing you want us to be, and so much more. This week, we are continuing where we left off on the last episode with Tarang. So Tarang was just talking about his experience in his church. So Tarang, just continue telling us about, yeah, what happened um, after that experience and, you know, what was it like um, with your church? Okay, so yeah, my church has done a lot of good work for the transgender women community in India. And that's one of the reasons why I was so excited to go for that sermon. But at that point when, you know, I was texting my friend at the church, they weren't responding. I texted my dad and he said, okay, you wait in the car, that's fine. And after the sermon, after the service, we have um, fellowship, which is basically like, you know, Mm -hmm. coffee and tea and uh, a lot of biscuits and snacks after the service everyone's talking and stuff and my dad goes up to the speaker and he says where was the love you you were supposed to talk about loving the lgbtq community but i didn't hear anything about love and you know it caught my that speaker off guard because i don't think he expected that from my dad all this by the way is after my um like my dad came into the car after the whole service and he told me all this this is what like he said to the the speaker mm-hmm. um so yeah when when my dad told me that you know he he had asked those questions yeah. it was a turning point in my relationship with my father because that's when i realized that he is not just willing to do the work of loving an lgbtq person he is open to it he's waiting for the chance you know yeah. Uh, and maybe he doesn't know about me, but I have theories that my parents kind of know, you know. Um, but maybe he was asking those questions because of my cousin, who is openly gay. But yeah, that conversation really made me think that one day, I think if I ever tell my, my dad, it would be fine. Maybe things would be difficult. Yeah. But things would be okay. It's It's actually so... Like, it's so powerful and it's so... But, like, I don't want to say... It's not shocking, but it's... I didn't... I, I, when when you told me this, I didn't expect, like, someone to go up to the speaker and actually say that and let alone that person, you know, be your dad. Because it's a very difficult thing to do, especially, like, in a place of worship and the people that usually deliver services or servants or whatever. Like, I am generally a position of power and so, like, to actually go and confront them and say something about what they were speaking about and have that conversation is quite difficult. So, yeah, I'm glad your dad did that. Yeah, I'm glad too. Yeah. But, you know, I still have my reservations. Of course. And, you know, that's, that's you know, some days it's easier, some days it's harder. So, but at the end of the day, I, I've come to the decision that if I ever do tell them, it has to be face to face. Like, I can't tell them over the phone. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. But that's me. That's my coming out yeah. story. That's fair <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so I want to talk about mental health and sexuality. How do the two relate for you? And do they relate to you? Oh, they absolutely do relate for me. <laughs> and I'm sure for... Yeah. I don't want to be a spokesperson for other queer people, but I'm sure they do. 
Um, I've been on Tumblr long enough to know that there is a correlation. Um, with the queer community, I feel like there's an inherent anxiety. There's an inherent existential anxiety. Um, because we are in a place that, uh, has chosen to hate us, has chosen to, has chosen violence Mm. over compassion. And I am thankful and I am very much grateful that apart from that church incident, the rest of my community, whether I'm at work, whether it's my friends in college or my family besides my parents, they've been accepting. Yeah. So I personally have not had that much anxiety in private spaces. But, you know, it, when it comes to your identity, your your national identity, like as an Indian, as a Malaysian, you know, these two countries have very clear laws against homosexuality against sodomy fuck sodomy man that that law is just stupid fuck colonialism oh, i cannot um, <laughs> get me started yeah Don't that's a whole it. other conversation yeah it always goes back to white people man it's just yeah um, yeah dang that but, but like like as a malaysian you know how how can i consider myself malaysian how can i show patriotism to a country or love or support to a country that rejects me, you know? And in terms of mental health, that, that really informs your identity. That question, it, it makes you question who you are. Are you more queer or are you more Malaysian? Society makes it seem like it's a dichotomy. Like you have to choose between yeah. being Malaysian or being Indian or being queer, you know? And straight people never, ever ever have to make that that distinction and it pisses me off to this day mm. and it just it it's there's so that's what what we talk about when we say privilege that mm-hmm. i have never felt a part of my community because i feel attracted to people of the same sex because i feel comfortable wearing dresses because i feel comfortable being feminine you know cis straight people never have yeah. to make never have to have those conversations but queer people do and when it comes to mental health, it really makes you question your identity. And when you question, when you start to question your identity, you start to question a lot of things in your life. Because I have to get academic here. According to Piaget, <laughs> you know, our, our identity is formed, you know, in our teenage years, in our adolescence. So for someone like me, who is well beyond adolescence, unfortunately, or someone much older than me, you know, they're still having these conflicts in their mind. And it's it really takes a toll on your mental health. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. there's definitely, there's definitely um, a, a relation. Do you feel like, or like, okay, what are the things that you feel have made a difference in your mental health? Like, whether it being, like, you know, your brothers or, like, your friends or, like, what are the little things that people have done or said or, like, made you feel... For, for that to have an effect, a positive effect on your mental health, if there are any. So not not to put my brothers down or anything, but in terms of my mental health, they didn't really do much. It was more their partners. Their sisters, my sister-in-laws have been a godsend to me. I've Ever since I was a, a kid, like I've always wanted to have a sister uh, and to have three sisters-in-law 
who were very much accepting, who didn't really make it a big deal. Yeah. When I told them, they were like, okay, what do you feel about it? What do you think? They're never projecting their own insecurities onto me, mm-hmm. which is a, a thing that straight people always do when when it yeah. comes to interacting with queer people. So I'm very much grateful for my sisters-in-laws for not projecting, for just you know, allowing me to have that space. Honestly, that was the first time that I was, I felt okay to be bi. Yeah. Bisexual. <laughs> that was okay for me to be yeah. queer, you know? <laughs> no, honestly, I have to say bisexual because there's a whole lot of erasure when it comes to that term as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's just, and it's not just making it seem like it's not a big deal because I have come out to people and they say, I don't care. And that pisses me off. That that uh, negatively affects my mental health. When you dismiss my sexuality, when you dismiss my identity, mm. that's very different from acknowledging and accepting it. So it's very important for cis straight people mm-hmm. to acknowledge and accept and not dismiss. Don't say, I don't care. Don't say, so what? Because those things are very hurtful. Because a queer person's sexuality... And this is different for every queer person. But for me, my sexuality is a big part of who I am. It informs a lot of of my identity. So when someone says, I don't care, when I tell them that I'm bi, it tells me that they don't care about me. Get it, bitch. Tell it like it is. (laughs) He said what he said. (laughs) Um, I'm glad you brought up, um, like, you know, people who project their own insecurities. Because I feel like with any form of, like, you know, discrimination or hate, whether it's, like, towards the LGBT um, plus community or whether it's towards, like, you know, people of color, like, whatever it is, it's always, it always comes, okay, one is ignorance, but then it also comes from, Mm. like, you just being insecure either with your own identity or with you just, with you not being comfortable with something that you can't, like, conceptualize or that you can't compute, you know? And just because you can't compute it, it doesn't mean that you need to be spreading hate or it doesn't mean that you need to, you know, like, it doesn't mean that violence is the answer to this, you know? Like, you could just also just mind your own business and go about your own life. For example, I have no comprehension of rocket science, or additional maths, or biology, for that matter. I don't spew hatred towards those fields. When it comes to people, at the end of the day, it's about humanity. It's about connecting with the human. Because as long as we're all human, we have something in common, and there's always an option besides violence. There's always an option besides hate. So that's why I always say, People make a choice yep. and they choose violence. Because there's always the choice of either keeping your mouth shut. You know, maybe there's hatred in you, but, you know, you're quiet about it. Yep. Or maybe you want to be a little, bo- little bit more open and you want to learn a little bit more. And so you choose curiosity instead of violence. Or you choose acceptance over violence. You know, there's always a choice. And I feel that straight people cis straight people always choose violence. Mm. Most of the time, they choose violence over compassion or acceptance. But again, that I feel as a counsellor, yeah. 
that goes back to exposure, that goes back to, you know, their own experiences and their own traumas about what they've experienced as a person. And so, okay, a good example is recently I had a, a racist encounter. Yeah. I was coming back home uh, from work. I was on the bus. I have my earphones on. I'm scrolling Twitter. And these group of young white guys come in to the bus and they sit behind me. And one of them sits directly behind me. And I can tell, even though I, I have my earphones on, they're talking shit about me. They're saying some, you know, derogatory things about me. But I, I'm just on my phone. I don't care. I'm minding my own business. But the guy is sitting directly behind me. I can feel him coming towards my shoulder and like actively trying to get my attention. And I'm hearing him say, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. Get out. Get out of this country. You, you don't belong here. I look at him and I'm like, I, I'm, I show some confusion, some frustration. And then I just, you know, look back at my phone. Like I'm acknowledging him, but then I go back to my phone. And then he starts tapping on my shoulder, trying to continue to get my attention. And he's already crossing boundaries, by the way, like physical boundaries. The fact that he's touching me, the fact that he's coming into my personal space without my consent is too much as it is. Um, but he starts, you know, tapping my shoulder and he starts saying the same things again. Again, I look at him with that same confusion and frustration and I go back to my phone. I tell him, no, whatever he's saying, no. And another guy comes, comes and sits behind me next to the guy sitting directly behind me. So I have the sense that they're crowding around me oh. and I'm the only person of color in the, in the bus, besides the bus driver. Bus driver can't do anything. And everyone else in the bus, they're minding their own business. I'm not going to blame them for doing that mm -hmm. or, you know, judge them. But because I can sense they're crowding around me, I'm like, okay, I can't stay in this space anymore. I do not feel safe in this space. And I have to move my person to somewhere that is in close proximity to another white person to protect myself, which is infuriating the fact that I have to even do that. But once I do, no one bothers me anymore. I can still hear them talking shit about me, but I just mind my own business. So on one side, I have a lot of anger. I have a lot of boundaries that have been violated. I feel unsafe. I feel scared. There's just so many things running on my mind. I want to punch them. Okay, I, 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 I am on the verge of violence. But on the other hand, inherently, I feel compassion towards them. Inherently, I'm thinking they're projecting. They are going through something. They want to show that they're cool. They want to show that they're tough because they're all guys and masculinity and all that. They want to show that, you know, they're better than me. As a counselor, it's my job to to empathize with that. So on, on one hand, I have anger, but on the other hand, I have compassion. Still, after all that violation of my boundaries, I still have compassion. And that's that's the that's a big another uh, another difficult line to to walk on because I'm not their counselor. I don't have to empathize with them. They're violating my boundaries. You don't owe them anything. I don't owe them anything. But on the other hand, I see their humanity. Even if they don't see mine, I see theirs. And I, you know, empathize yeah. with them. And that's a choice that you made. 
Yeah. And just like that, anyone else could make that choice. Compassion over violence. Compassion over hate. Exactly. Yeah. But at, at the same time, I understand that for them, maybe choosing violence holds the better option. It it makes them seem better among their their peers. Yeah. It, it it you know it 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 fits better with their narrative. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So I I don't blame them for doing what they're doing. Yeah. But I still hate the result regardless. My grandfather know? always used to say, "If you have nothing nice to say, don't say it." And that's something that we kind of... I can't say that I've practiced it always. Yeah. Because I can be quite judgy sometimes. Yeah. But like... But you know, like... It's... Like it's... Yeah. You should live by that. If you've got nothing nice to say, just simply just don't say it. Just keep it to yourself and like move on. At, but at the same time, I think... Maybe these people are thinking that what they're saying isn't wrong. They've been taught a certain way. They've been exposed to certain things mm. that informs their worldview. And like how I was with my colleagues at my old school, you know, even though they weren't mm. as violent as these people were, you know, I, because I still, I still was steadfast to who I was. I never compromised my identity. Eventually they turned around. So maybe the same holds true with these people. You know, I can't hate them for, for saying these things, for doing these things. That's, that personally, that's my natural inclination like i have i do mm. not blame or judge any other queer person facing such violence and doing something else they need to do what yep. they do to survive but and it's it's sad that we have to talk about survival in the first place but that's what it is <laughs> i feel always feel like the, the the people or the person that's in that compromised situation always has to be the quote-unquote bigger person, like, always mm-hmm. has this expectation to be, like, or I need to have compassion for them, or I need to see this from their perspective, I need to understand that they're projecting, and, like, I get it, and then also part of me is just, like, on the inside, just fuming about it, that, like, yeah. that person... But, Natasha, like, I have... <laughs> I, I, I can't help but um, disagree with that. He's gonna fight me. Because, yeah, because I, I am an immigrant. Yes, I'm yeah. an immigrant, okay? But I am a privileged immigrant. True. I am an true, educated true. immigrant. I'm coming to another country, to, to a very expensive country, <laughs> to do my master's. These people who are talking shit about me, they probably would never get the chance to do that. Mm. I, I have the privilege privilege of education to to be able to to see their their perspective to empathize with them yeah and i feel like a lot of people of color a lot of queer people of color in my position would do the same thing because we just have that privilege i agree you have to acknowledge i agree that that while they do have certain privileges in terms of being white in terms of being cis or straight we have a privilege in terms of being educated in terms of our exposure, in terms of yeah. our fucking economy, our finances, the fact that we're even here to yeah to do these things. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that 100%. And I agree. I agree. It's just, yeah. Part of me is just like, and that's what I do now. And that's like, has been one of the like things that I'm trying to change about myself. And like, especially throughout lockdown. And there was just a whole bunch of shit going on in the world. And I was like 
constantly in discussions and debates and discourse about all kinds of things and I was like wow I could easily just lose my shit and like choose anger and choose to be like I am not having this conversation I like you know and like I feel like when I create that wall with someone that doesn't understand where I'm coming from or just doesn't know or is ignorant and like and 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 then like that's not in a negative way it just is what it is And, like, I had to actually take a step back and be like, do you know what? Like, I'm actually Mm. in a position where I can bring in a new perspective, a perspective that they don't actually understand. And that's why they, you know, think, speak, whatever, the way that they do. And I have to, you know, somehow have the patience and the compassion to actually, like, articulate that to whoever I'm talking to. And I feel like it's actually really changed the way that I've uh, that I've had to speak to a lot of people. And like I think it's made me a lot more of a patient per- person in general because I'm very impatient. <gasps> Whoopsie. <laughs> and I think it's made me very patient and very very compassionate and like I think it's 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 a really good quality. It takes a lot of like emotional and mental labor on the inside. But I think it's worth it, like, when when I feel like I can get across to someone. Yeah. My, my opinion is that the fact that we have that much capacity for emotional labor and mental labor shows our privilege. Yeah. We didn't start out this way. Mm. We were given certain things. We've experienced certain things that have encouraged us to... to be a certain way to have those sort of uh, perspectives, and I, I don't want to seem like I'm I'm defending those racists because, one hundred and ten percent, they were racist. Yeah. I just want to see it differently. Yeah, I want to show compassion instead of violence. But I'm saying that from a place of privilege. Any other queer person or person of color who thinks differently should not be judged for that because they've experienced different things. If they choose violence, if they were in the same position and they chose to punch that person, yeah, I would never blame that person. You know, but I would do it differently, but I'm not going to judge them for, for violence because we've we put up with too much shit, honestly. 100%. We shouldn't have to fucking defend our humanity. Yeah. I completely agree. That's, that's my yeah. point of view. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. A hundred percent agreed. Um, I feel like sometimes like the whole notion of like being the bigger person, while it's like sometimes like it it is although like it takes a lot of like you know emotional labor and all of that, but sometimes it's also like the easier thing to do. Like you know like kind of also just like letting go rather than like letting it consume you because to be petty. Obviously, I can't relate to like this specific or like similar situations to this, but like generally speaking in, like, any other situations that, like, I face, sometimes, like, you want to be a little bit petty because, like, you get a bit more satisfaction from that. But then it's, like, it's like you were saying, you know, like, you're not going to judge someone else for the way that they've reacted if it's not, like, you know, them just letting it go or, like, showing compassion. Um, Sometimes I feel like being the bigger person can be overrated, but then, you know, end of the day, it's, like, you know, you do your boo, like, whatever, like, helps you sleep at night kind of thing. But I think... I personally would like to work on being, like, the bigger person because it's just, I feel like it's easier to just let it go and, like, not let it consume you because end of the day, like, you're the one who's 
at a loss if yeah. you're letting it like consume you. Yeah. And you know, but I guess that's just me. I so, mean, like at the end of the day, yeah. as as a person who's invested in this mental health industry, if you choose to to react with violence towards discrimination, you know. I would ask, how is that beneficial for you in the long term? With a bigger picture in mind, does that help you grow from this experience? Does punching this guy help you grow? If it does, great. Let's talk about that. Yeah. If it doesn't, I would question it. I, I would see why you did that instead of choosing compassion. But, you know, that's me as, as you know, a person who is training to become a yeah. counsellor. Yeah. I think Tarang has taught me a lot of compassion. I'm definitely like, let's fight. Let's go. And Tarang's like, Lama, can you just chill for a second? Literally. Like, nobody wants to fight you, man. Like, relax. Nobody said anything. Honestly, I say that to you, Natasha, because I'm scared for you. Like, like I don't want you to get hurt, man. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Alright, calm down, guys. I'm not gonna fight anyone. Don't get yourself in trouble, like unnecessary <laughs> my, trouble. My Malaysian friends and I here, um, we created an inside joke because um, w- one day one of my Malaysian friends was trying to cross the road, and I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. It's a, it's a red light. You know, we have our visas. You know, visa, visa, visa. <laughs> and and they're like, what the fuck? Like, chill. And, now yeah. I'm like, I cross the road, like, regardless, you know, like, I'm in India, like, I'm in Malaysia. As long as there's no cars, I go. And you just put your hand up and go. Yeah, exactly. I I do the hand, you know? Yeah, the hand up and then walk. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, man, that's so funny. I wanted to ask you, actually, um, about biphobia, because I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't get exposed to a lot and understand a lot as well have you experienced it and you know what does like what what is biracial what is biphobia and how does that like happen even within the lgbtq plus community as well so obviously like my coming out story is a prime example of biphobia yeah where my brother was making me choose between the binary of gay and straight um that for me was Thankfully, I think the 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 main experience of biphobia that I've experienced or by erasure. But yeah, so I just want to emphasize that in case it wasn't already clear that my brother is no longer homophobic. He's no longer biphobic. Um, like he's been a a big support in my life. Like since that experience, he's been really supportive and really affirming. So I just want to acknowledge that in case that wasn't already clear. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, like on Twitter on on the internet and stuff, like, I feel, I don't know, this is just me, this is my yeah. opinion, okay, <laughs> you know, um, a lot of the times, I feel bi people are, there's the whole thing of, like, oh, it's just a phase, like, oh, you know, you're not actually gay, like, like it, mm. it's only if you're gay that you experience discrimination, bi people don't experience discrimination because they can pass it straight, and to some extent, yes, I would agree that bisexual people do have that privilege that, you know, and I use that privilege yeah. with my parents. I say that, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing other people. Like, I've only had girlfriends. I've never had a boyfriend, that sort of thing. But gay people can't really say that, you know. And there's a whole lot of anxiety and mental health issues that go along with that as well. 
but yeah, it's just the whole thing that being bisexual means that you're not quite there yet, that you're not queer. And and this is something that I have experienced my entire life, not just in terms of sexuality, in terms of nationality and identity. Like, I have an Indian passport, but I grew up mm-hmm. in Malaysia my entire life. I can't legally call myself Malaysian, but I feel Malaysian. And as a bi person, I feel queer, but I have a beard. I have, you know, short hair. I, I date women. So other queer people will think that, oh, he's not queer. He's not bi. He's not gay. He's straight. People think that I'm straight. People think that I'm Indian. Indians think I'm Malaysian. Yeah. There's there's a massive conflict within me. That's relatable. That's so relatable. Yeah. I go to India and I'm like, I don't feel like, it's like I don't feel at home. And then in Malaysia, like I feel at home, but I'm also just like, n- no one is ever like, comes up to me and like, yeah, you're Malaysian. It's always like, so what are you? Are you like Eurasian? And like, I'm, like, I'm just a Rojak, guys, whatever, at this point. I don't even know how to explain <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly, we're Rojak, man. <laughs> Rojak is its own identity. Please, do not Literally, take that away from us. <laughs> a petition to change line line to just Rojak. <laughs> I'll take that off. I know, right? Because, <laughs> like, I, and, and this is something that I experienced while working in my school. Like, I had Malaysian colleagues who realized that I wasn't truly Malaysian. Like, I only started loving Nasi Lemak after joining my school. Oh, really? Like, previously, I I hated it. I, like, it's like, I was like, fuck sambal, man. Like, it's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Me even saying that right now, it's like, oh, blasphemy, you know? <laughs> but, you know, I started Lord. to to love Nasi Lemak. And at the end of the day, my uh, like when I started to, to tell my colleagues that, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave, that I'm going to do my master's and stuff. And they were saying that, you know, I hope you hold, hold on to your roots. You know, you're Malaysian, that sort of thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am Malaysian, man. <laughs> Fuck everyone else. <laughs> and it's that sort of affirmations that, that really enable me and really encourage me to, what's the word? I don't know. Like, Hold on to my, my identity. Yeah, embrace my identity. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes for my racial identity as well as my sexual identity and my gender identity, you know? Um, I wanted to ask, do you feel... Okay, not really ask, but like, just like generally talk about um, the generational differences with acceptance and openness and openness to people in the LGBT plus community. Because I feel like... Um, in our generation, maybe like midway millennial and lower, I feel like generally, especially in Malaysia, I feel like obviously like I'm not queer or anything, but like Have you questioned I that though? Can see that there's a general I hundred percent. A hundred percent. Constantly questioning. Constantly. Still am, but like, that's a that's whole valid. other question for that's a whole other thing yeah. for another time. But, um, but, um, um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, no, because, like, but I do feel that, you know, amongst us, and, like, I can certainly say, like, within, like, you know, my own group of friends, for example, like, we're generally a lot more open and accepting. Um, obviously, you're not, you're not going to find that, like, every single person within our generation is like that, but I feel like it's, 
heading in the mm. right direction if you were to compare it to like you know like our parents generation mm. for example um yeah what are your thoughts on that like do you feel the same way on that um, so yeah can you relate or um before working as a preschool teacher while i was in college uh my final year of undergrad i was working with i was a volunteer for an elderly community so i was working with mm-hmm. a lot of machiks and like grandmas and and that sort of thing all women actually i don't know why mm-hmm. yeah and so in that sense i do have some experience on both ends of the spectrum when it comes to younger generations and older generations and i personally feel uh age doesn't have anything to do with okay. it because mm-hmm. although i've never come out to my to to like the elderly people nor have i come out to my students who are like 16 12 63 you know i i i've always kept that private but at the same time my identity is my identity i can't change that you know i'm always this yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't show this in audio but like i'm doing the whole hand thing the hand gesture um, yeah <laughs> yeah i i present as a queer person okay and whether i'm interacting with elderly people or with young people it doesn't matter what their age is it just matters it it's just a matter of their capacity to love full stop i feel like i would be able to come out to um my to the elderly people that i was volunteering uh, with if i told them that i was bi they'd be like okay like they wouldn't you know care about that it's just another part of who i am it's like yeah. okay like <laughs> yeah Yeah. Similarly, like if I told my students and I'm sure some of my students are smart enough to know that I'm not straight. <laughs> they'd be like, "Okay, so they it's not a matter of age, it's just a matter of exposure. It's just a matter of your capacity to love." And this may be a contradiction mm-hmm. to popular belief, but like I feel like elderly people are the best people to come out to. Huh. Because they have experienced so much in the world. They and and I really don't want to negate that. I really don't want to to put that aside. They've experienced so much in the world. They've experienced war. They've experienced yeah. so many hardships that their capacity to love really is their defining feature, you know, their defining characteristic as as a person. Show me one grandmother who will not feed you will not care for you if you told them that you are queer. Mm. I don't I don't I personally my grandparents are all dead. Rest in peace. But I think if I ever told my grandparents that I was queer, that I liked guys or that I liked wearing dresses, they would still feed me as much as my other straight cousins. Yeah. They would still love me as much as anyone else. It's I feel it's the parental generation that yeah. there's some inconsistency there. I feel like there's an identity crisis in that generation. They are trying to identify with their parents who mm. are this staunch, you know, conventional. Yeah, like conventional conservative, they yeah, traditional sort of lifestyle while living in a very modern, very liberal um atmosphere and they are going through a, a, an identity crisis. And that's where the projection mm. comes from. That's where the discrimination comes from. and their insecurities they're projecting onto their children and that's where yeah. that's when you see younger generation uh people your millennials your fucking Donald Trump supporter who is 24 years old you know all these all these sort of people who mm. are just learning from their parents i i have i have a cousin 
or not really a cousin, a family friend who, you know, is the same age as my brothers. But because they experienced life differently from my brothers, in, in, in spite having the same sort of schooling, same sort of parental guidance, just because of their exposure, they support Donald Trump. And by the way, they're Indian. This person is Indian from India, never left the country, still supports Donald Trump, thinks he is... The greatest thing to come to America since Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's all about exposure. People need to be exposed to people who are different than them, who've experienced life in a way that they've never even comprehended in order for them to expand their empathy and to increase their compassion towards other people. And I feel like like grandparents clearly exhibit that. Younger generations like you and I clearly exhibit that. Because let's face it, we're going through fuck ton of hardships right now. But our parents, less so. And yeah. they project that onto their children. And, you know, it's a cycle like that. So <sighs> it's a lot, man. It's a lot, man. It's bloody a lot, isn't it? I know, I'm loving this. It's a lot, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the pod. Anytime, man. You're so welcome. I'm so grateful for this, this platform and the space to talk about all these things. I don't think I've ever spoken about all these things in a way like this before. So thank you so much for that. Like, really. Thank you. We appreciate you and you being here and being so vulnerable with us as well and our listeners. Um, yeah. I'm yes. an open book, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> Anytime. We love it. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this conversation. Um, you can follow us at Auntie Please on Instagram. Shaya is at Shaya5. I am Natasha J. Lama. Tarang, would you like to reveal your socials? Do you want to keep that private? Oh, sure, man. Fuck yeah. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to like check me out on Instagram, um, I'm Tarang with two T's. T-T-A-R-A-N-G on Instagram. <laughs> I'll leave my Twitter private because <laughs> it's just retweets and shit, so. Check out, check out my Instagram. I sing, so if you like covers, I was literally going to say, can confirm I stalked him before and his voice is beautiful. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, thank you. Sorry. But I forgot to follow, so I'll follow <laughs> after. Please do. I'll follow you back. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks. Uh, Alright yeah. guys, we'll see you next week.